Happy Monday and welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. I, I actually listened in on some of the um, proceedings of the second CPAC of the year because apparently one CPAC is not enough. Uh, this is the CPAC down in uh, Dallas. And look, I, I just before we get started here, I, I want to you know at least uh, acknowledge that CPAC has never been sort of the center of the intellectual life of the right. I mean, long before Donald Trump came down the golden escalator, it was known as the Star Wars bar scene of the conservative movement. But but even so, it does provide a glimpse into what's happening on the right. And and I have to say that it was, and I wrote this in my newsletter, it was really a cross between a game of deplorable Mad Libs and, you know, cray-cray voice in your head stuff. I mean, did, I'd sum it up this way, you know, uh, you know, big tech, Jesus, Trump, cancel culture, guns, MAGA, you know, Kamala, fight, uh, Bibles, critical race theory, carnage, socialism, border wall, Antifa, Trump, uh, bamboo ballots, owning libs, and, and the Fauci-ouchie. Uh, so, so to explain all of this, uh, former Republican congressman from the state of Virginia and now a bourbon entrepreneur, Denver Riggleman. Oh, thank you for having me. I need a drink after you said all that, by the way, Charlie. So well, it, it may get worse as, as we go along. Um, so should should we start with uh, the members of the House of Representatives who shared their wisdom, uh, the Lauren Boberts, uh, the Madison, Madison Cawthorn actually had kind of a moment. Um, Madison Cawthorn, of course, being you no know, famous uh, tree puncher, part-time congressman who had a very, very scary uh, prediction for the crowd about what would happen if we went door to door to push vaccination. And this whole COVID denialism thing was a big, big thing at CPAC. So let's uh, let's play uh, uh, tree puncher Madison Cawthorn's uh, comments. And, and now they're starting to talk about going door to door to be able to take vaccines to the people. It, the thing about the mechanisms they would have to build to be able to actually execute that massive of a thing. And then think about the, what those mechanisms could be think used. About they it. could then go door to door, take your guns. They could then it, go door to door, take your Bibles. Yeah. And so yeah. it's a, it's serious. And bro, I've, Make, makes you think, really? <laughs> it makes what a question, you know. If they, you know del- like if they deliver, if they deliver yeah. pizzas to your house, <laughs> if they have a mechanism that will deliver mail to your house before you know it, they will come and get your guns and your Bibles. It, it see, this is the Mad Libs. We're sort of in, connected in his mind. It's like, yes, your AR fifteen and your New Testament. They're coming for them. Well, I mean, if you keep them in the same lock safe, right? I mean, because, but, you know, I think, you know, I love acronyms, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about ATF, you know, having a new sort of uh, division that has to abscond with your Bibles, you know, and, you know, I'm like, is this like the Bible appropriations team seizing holy informational texts, you know, batshit, you know, and, you know, so that it's just amazing to me that we have people that are, that are talking about this. Uh, and, and actually sitting, put that sitting, together. Sitting members of sitting members of Congress, but, but this is part of the new theme, right? That you're all victims, you're all potential martyrs, um, you're all targets. They're going to come for you. They're going to cancel everything. Uh, these radical libs are going to take away your Bible because that's there's like a bill in the in the House to do that, right? To I <laughs> the Bible taking bill, it, you know, the BTB. I don't know, you know. I I think though this is the new level now. You know, we talk about wokeness all the time, Charlie. I think this is the conservative wokeness uh, where, you know, just willful ignorance or being obtuse or making things up out of whole cloth, uh, sort of a fantasy run, you know, through the fields of crazy. Uh, it makes you sort of a viable candidate. And if you think about it, I don't think Madison's going to have any trouble being reelected no, or the Lauren no, Boberts or anybody no. like that. And, 
and he's a what is he twenty five? What is Bobert in her early thirties? Yeah, he's, he's I, about the, I think I think Madison know? is twenty five, going on thirteen. Oh, I even listening to him, it it sounds uneducated. Uh, it sounds um, I don't even have the what word do I use? You, you, is it just stupid? I, I don't know if that's I don't want to you know just say hey you're an idiot you know you're an idiot or you're mm-hmm. stupid or you're ignorant or you know you have real mental issues. I don't want to go there. But you get to a point when you hear a statement like that, you get this uh, sort of feeling that they're living in an alternate universe or they're pandering or they have some kind of true belief that I can't get my arms around. Well, right well now. you know, I, I know that the, the, the go-to uh, response to all this is whether the conservative movement has become this Trump cult and, and it has, there's no question about it, but that, sure it that explanation doesn't go far enough to explain what's happening, how you have this sort of in, uh, incoherent collection of, of, uh, of, of impulses here. You know, you have, you know, Jesus guns, uh, COVID denialism, nihilism. It's just sort of this, what's, what's happened to the movement and what, and what everybody has to accept, has to embrace from this buffet of crazy um, in order to stay in, in good stead. And, and unfortunately, that I think is going to survive Donald Trump for people who think if Donald Trump disappears. Okay, so since we're on this, Lauren Boebert, another sitting member of the House of Representatives, I did make reference to the Fauci Aushi. You have to put a, put this into a little bit of context. This is uh, Colorado uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. We're here to tell government Ooh. we don't want your benefits. We don't want your welfare. Don't come knocking on my door with your Fauci ouchie. You leave us the hell alone. The Fauci ouchie, in case you hadn't heard that before, that, that, that apparently is a reference to the vaccine, the vaccine that uh, might save thousands of lives. The, we don't want any of that stuff. We don't want your money, says a woman who's basically living on the public payroll, by the way. I just want to throw that in. We don't want We don't want your benefits. We don't want... <laughs> we don't I'm want sorry, your, your damn Medicare and yeah, social. Yeah. Wait, wait, Social Security. OK, so this is that was the that was the palate cleanser because it, it gets it gets a lot worse. Let's let's stick with with this. And I find oh. it I find it truly remarkable the way the right is now totally anti-vaxxer. And this has become one of the central issues to push back against something that might actually and, and it's so incoherent because it, it might actually get us out of the, the lockdowns, the mask wearing that they hated. Um, they could take credit for it as something that was started under the Trump administration, but they've decided they're going to push back against all of this. I, I have a longer soundbite where um, Anthony Fauci is on, I believe he's on CNN, and responding to one of the extraordinary moments over the weekend where the crowd actually applauds uh, people, the uh, the public's ref- some people in the public's refusal to take the vaccine. They thought this was a good thing, and we get uh, Dr. Fauci's response. Let's let's play that cut. Conservative political conference CPAC uh, is going on this weekend. I want to play for you a clip of one of the speakers from that event yesterday. They were hoping the government was hoping that they could sort of sucker 90% of the population into getting vaccinated and it and and it and it isn't happening right there, there's a y- younger people great i'm going to cut him off right there because he just goes on to just say things that are not true about the vaccine but what i wanted to get your reaction to is the crowd cheering when this gentleman talks about how the government was not able to achieve a 90% vaccine goal the crowd cheers um, as a public health official, what's your reaction when you hear that? 
It's, it's, it's horrifying. I mean, they're cheering about someone saying that it's a good thing for people not to try and save their lives. I mean, if you just unpack that for a second, Jake, it, it, it's almost frightening to say, hey, guess what? We don't want you to do something to save your life. Yay! Everybody starts screaming and, and clapping. I just don't get that. I mean, I, and I don't think that anybody who's thinking clearly can get that. What is that all about? I, I don't understand that, Jake. Denver Riggleman, can you explain that? Can you explain what this is all about? Yes, um, I think I can. Um, you know, so when you look at the background of this, we saw a spike. And, you know, I'm also the chief strategist for the Network Contagion Research Institute. And we we had put out a quick study right after. Do you remember, Charlie, the Dodger Stadium anti-vax protests yeah. um, months and months ago? We saw a massive spike in data where once that protest happened, there was almost this metatastic spread um, of anti-vax uh, issues and hashtags. About a week after that, we had saw seen the COVID-1984. Now, this is different from COVID-1948. I know hashtags and memes get mixed up, but we saw this COVID-1984 hashtag about, you know, the globalist anti-vax strategies, Great. right, Orwellian. COVID-1984, you know what I'm talking about, Charlie. Right, right. Um, so so we saw this sort of this spread um, and even was able to locate where these actual search terms were happening and where it was exploding. Like, for instance, in Virginia here, we had some really interesting places where, where the search terms, you know, for anti-vax had exploded, like areas around, I know this sounds crazy, Hampton Roads and Culpeper and actually Richmond. You know, we had these sort of super blooms of people searching, you know, for conspiratorial terms and things of that nature. So we wondered after that, and that was months and months ago, if it's the anti-vax push that was going to sort of control the narrative of the socialist takeover of the world, mm -hmm. uh, the globalist. We thought that might happen. So we put out a quick report on that. And guess what? We were right. And the reason is, is because you can predict these type of sort of waves based on influencers and protests and how those terms actually expand. So when you're seeing right now is you're seeing the sort of the wave, the cascading mm -hmm. effect uh, of these protests, but you're also seeing this, uh, Charlie, and, and that is it's still apocalyptic. It's still messianic. It's still about good against evil. It's still about any lack of nuance and thought. So when you sort of put this together, the recipe is disastrous. And when, when Dr. Fauci says it's horrifying, it's not only horrifying, but I'm going to say this and, and I keep, I, I try not to pretend like I can use data like a prophet. I mean, it, but I, I've been right a few times on what we can see in the future. And here's, here's what I'm going to say about anti-vax. I think it's not going to get better, even as we see the Delta variant uh, coming along. I believe what you're going to see is that this is going to be a springboard to even more of this new world order socialist takeover. And it's also going to be sort of winnowed in to stop the steal even more. And I think that's why 2022, I, I, will, I will say this, Charlie, I think 2022, that combination right there is going to be very effective for Republicans in the House races. And I believe you're going to see a red wave yeah. based on some of that messaging. Well, okay. You, you think you think it's going to work, but can it be more than 20, 30% of the population that believes these things? 
Uh, no, I, I, I think it's, I, I, I will say this, you know, when you've seen the polling on Stop the Steal and even anecdotally in my district, it's incredible how many people think the election is stolen. I mean, that is the number one issue. And I would say taking away anti-vax, I think Stop the Steal is undersampled. I think it's 60 to 70% of the Republican base believe yeah. that the, believes that the election was stolen somehow. But it's now add this, sprinkle in some hot pepper on that recipe, right? Let's do some cayenne pepper. And that's the anti-vaxxers. So now you have, now if you're going to win a primary, which what primaries are, my convention was 0.3%, right? Did the election, right? You're talking about primaries are only 10% of the electorate. You got to push to the crazies when you go to the primary system right now in the United States. And, and I think right now that's the election. And then what you do is you slightly moderate and you think that the Republicans can come back, moderate Republicans will come over to you, that percentage, and you count on using culture war terminology and and, and sort of verbal attacks against the left. And that's 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 the recipe. Yeah, that that is that is the recipe. So I'm trying to just wrestle with this whole um, you know, enthusiastic opposition to vaccines that will save people's lives. And and that this is all happening after six hundred thousand Americans have died, four million people worldwide. We have the Delta variant exploding in certain areas. In St. Louis, they've run out of respirators, or at least in some places in, in Missouri. I'm trying to come up with an analogy for all of this. It, it's, you know, and, and one of our readers actually sent me an email saying, wouldn't this be like um, a mass campaign opposing the blackout restrictions during the London Blitz or something like that? <laughs> I mean, there, I, I understand there's True. a there, I get it. There's a there's a there's a you know a libertarian don't tread on me my personal freedom. But there was always and I, this is true I think among Republicans as well. There's always been this recognition that well yes you have freedom but your freedom has a limitation. You know when it hurts other people when it causes uh, you know uh, you know pain and suffering and sickness. And it would be a little bit like, okay, we we all need to pull together because bombs are falling from the sky. And the way that we protect ourselves, the entire community, is to black out your windows. And people say, I'm not blacking out my windows. My windows are going to stay open. I'm going to have my lights on. It, we, we would have a word for it. It would be utterly reckless and irresponsible and antisocial. And I'm not sure it's that much different than what we're seeing the entire conservative movement now embracing. Maybe it's the fact that that the conservative movement, and I hate to even say that because I still believe you now I'm a conservative, Charlie. Right? I'm, you know, I, I do think sometimes less government is better. I, I think I think that's great. Right? However, um, it's almost like the conservative movement now is just anti whatever somebody in authority says, unless it's your person in authority that you worship. And I think that's I don't know if I can put it any simpler than that. But if you think about it, I mean, when you come out and, hey, the Delta variant spreading in these areas, we have to be careful, get vaccinated. 99, what was it? 99.7% of the people who are dying are the yeah. unvaccinated now. Yeah, that's, that's data. That's facts. But if you're, if you have a facts deficit, which I believe the GOP has right now, you know, we talk about our deficit are in our country, right? In the trillions of dollars, 23, 24 trillion. The facts deficit in the GOP is so dire. I don't know how we pull out that flat spin. It's almost like the jet is in a flat spin going down into the ground and everybody's partying and, you know, and snorting meth lines. I'm just not quite sure what we're doing here. Um, And I think that's what bothers me is that how do we bring facts back into equation where facts are not part of the winning formula for the GOP in districts all around the country? So let's let's move to the related because you you've connected the dots between the anti-vax movement and the belief that the election was uh, stolen. 
the uh, the retconning, the historical revisionism about January 6th is really accelerating. I mean, we've talked about this for some time. Uh, how far would they go transforming what happened on January 6th? Uh, in fact, I predicted it a few weeks ago, but I was sort of like, ah, just kind of throwing it out there. Can you imagine what would happen if Donald Trump begins to completely rewrite January 6th to make it not not Antifa, not you know, not even you know, an unfortunate riot, but but a patriotic uprising that that in fact these people were were doing the right thing, and and that seems to be accelerating. And uh, over the weekend, and there's there's nothing funny about this now. Uh, Donald Trump goes on Maria Bartiromo's show, and he talks about a number of things, including. Ashley Babbitt. I think this, and I want to get your take on this because I, I, I think the uh, Ashley Babbitt as mar as a martyr narrative is uh, an extremely dangerous move, but also an indication of how far this is going to go. She was the she was the woman who was shot and killed uh, as she tried to climb through a window as part of the assault on the Capitol. Uh, she's a martyr for merely trying to hang Mike Pence, apparently. But this is what Donald, this is Donald Trump um, yesterday talking about how wonderful, how innocent Ashley Babbitt was. Right. There were no guns whatsoever. And yet Antifa, which went into Portland and went into so many other places, Seattle, they took over a big part of Seattle. People died. And there were plenty of guns there, by the way. And in Minnesota and Minneapolis, they got there was no repercussions for them. None. And yet they have. None. People still in jail. Yeah, there were no guns. Yes. There were no guns. And by the way, while you're at it, who shot Ashley Babbitt? Why are they keeping that secret? Who was the person well, that shot an an innocent, yes. wonderful, wonderful, incredible woman, incredible, a military woman, hmm. right in the head? And there's no repercussions. If that were on the other side, it would be the biggest story in this country. Who shot Ashley Babbitt? People want to know, and why? Well, that's right, and I want to talk about that because Ashley Babbitt, a wonderful woman, fatally shot on... So, you know, Ashley Babbitt has now become the symbol of all of the rioters as a as a martyr. So they've been willing to throw the whole we back the blue thing under the bus. And now it's who are these jack booted thugs who who murdered a genuine patriot? So this this is this is this is, I think, a a really ominous development, Denver. Well, it's watch out for the T-shirts, you know, who shot Ashley. I'm not kidding, by the way. Um, you know, that's that's the issue that we have right now. Does ba- you know Ashley Babbitt become the spirit human for this? You know, when you talk about spirit animals, but the spirit human for this movement that you have that now this peaceful group of individuals that were just you know having a little bit of tea and coffee as they wandered throughout the Capitol building uh, with people being randomly shot, like Ashley Babbitt is going to be the new narrative. And by the way, there's again, this web, we saw this and, and I hate to keep back going back to data and facts. I do, but the FBI NSA narratives have been really effective on the far right where the FBI infiltrated. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's been very effective. And I think, you know, people already believe that the deep state, well, think about it this way, right? All you're doing is adding another sprinkle to the recipe. So now you have that COVID was a multi-use weapon. Right. Not only was it uh, helping socialism, right, with the globalist cabal and the deep state, you know, to uh, to to have order 
uh, back to the world with with your new world order, your one world government, right? It's also part of controlling people with the vaccine and also helped with the election and the stealing of the election based on whether mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, and, and dead people voting in white vans with the ballots burning. So COVID was a massive weapon with multiple, I would say, effects, Right. So now you have this multiple effect where not only was it peaceful, the people that were bad were FBI infiltrators. And NSA is actually sort of looking at everybody right now, like the Tucker Carlson's and the Steve Bannon's, because the deep state is this overarching mechanism where we, wherein everything is controlled. Right. So what, what Trump is doing is he's really, I mean, as as much as he lies and as much of the things he says sounds completely ignorant to a lot of people, he is amazing at manipulating the emotions of those who believe they have been set upon, put upon, lied to, and that somehow whatever station they have in life is through no fault of their own, but the responsibility of some other unseen force of conspiratorial thinkers that are there to control them. And this is really effective. And um, again, and, and if you think that President Trump is put there by God or blessed by God in this sort of messianic way, and we are coming up to the apocalypse where it's good against evil, all nuance is thrown out the window. Now, I am part of a tribe. I am part of this group. I am going to take back this, this beautiful constitution that was blessed by God. And I am here to do that, regardless of what you think about me or what you think facts are. My facts overwhelm any thing that you can tell me because I am correct and my leaders tell me so. That is what's frightening is that you have so many different inputs from social media, from influencers, from those individuals, these charismatic leaders that are pushing people this way, that you are having a true disinformation plague. It has gone well beyond just a virus. We are now in, in the throes of something that I didn't think we could get to. Okay, I, I, I agree with you, but let me just step back for a moment. I mean, I look, sure. there, there's always been a group of, of people who are crazy, who have the tinfoil hats. But, you know, how many Americans are we talking about? But I'm thinking about the Americans that we actually meet outside of social media, the people that you and I have talked to, that we've been to meetings at, that we've been to barbecues with. You know, when did they, are, are you saying that that tens of millions of them have lost their minds for some reason, that they believe things that are just batshit crazy? I mean, how does this happen? Sure. Well, I mean, tens of millions honestly believe. I mean, if you go back to the Man. Tea Party, I mean, uh, if you go back to this has been brewing for some time, Charlie. This isn't an overnight well, The Tea phenomenon. Party, you just believe that, you know, the government was too big, self-care was <laughs> tough. No, 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 right. But, yeah. I, but I mean, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the crazy then is like nothing compared to the crazy. Nothing. Or, or are you saying that it basically plowed the ground That's for it? That, that's, what, that's what I was saying is that there's this evolution that you're seeing happening. And I think it is the tens of millions that certainly believe the election was stolen. I mean, that's that's sort of proven. I mean, mm -hmm. it is tens of millions. Uh, but I mean, if you you don't have to believe everything to believe that the deep state is controlling your life. That is sort of that's that's baked in that there's 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 really no way around that. I mean, I don't know how to you, you think about my family is huge. Right. I mean, if you look at my family, my extended family, um, it's really big. Um, 70% believe the election was stolen. Maybe, you know, um, anecdotally, I mean, that's huge. Uh, when I go to my family reunion next Saturday, I'm going to be the odd guy out. Trust me. Um, it's that insane out there right now. But again, I think it's the combination of the deep state control and COVID that's really pushing people to this crazy thing. And the, and the fact that, you know, religiously, you know, right now we're in a, a battle between good and evil. And I think you put those three things together. So you're, you're going to the family reunion. 
You don't have like something to do. You don't like to have to wash your hair that day. <laughs> well, you know, my, my grandmother, I'm very close. She's going she's gonna to be 84 soon. You know, I'm 51. She was only 32 when I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really close to my grandmother. And this, you know, I hope it's not her last family reunion. But I think when I go there, I think what you're going to have people, I get a pat on the back from my family. Like, you know, it's great. You're a congressman, man. We can't believe you, you went this far after being the idiot child yeah. you were. However, you know, we're going to just humor you because you're family. But you do know that President Trump is the real president. And that's that's what I get from most of the individuals on that side. I would think there's just not enough bourbon in Virginia to be able to handle a couple of hours of that. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to it. You got to remember, I had to sit through Republican committee meetings after I officiated a same-sex wedding. Oh, so I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I become used to massive uh, sort of either, you know, people tolerating my presence, uh, knowing that I've been bought off by the Democrats, um, that somehow I am now part you know, of the basement dwelling blood drinkers okay, of the wait. cabal. Okay, so it's it's one thing to disagree with you on politics. and be, I mean, you're going to show up at this event and you're going to have cousins who think you are in league with Satan. Yeah, they won't. They, you know, they'll they'll laugh about it, you know, and they'll, really? they'll pat me on the shoulder. And yeah, that's good. And there's a couple there's a couple that are as long as, as as long as we've kept our sense of humor about Satan in our midst. <laughs> well, there's a couple I think that love me. You know, they're like they they sort of based on my background and intelligence. They, I think they look at me sideways, like you know, I don't believe them because you know the people in my tribe and everybody else are telling me that the election was stolen and COVID is fake and the vaccines are in you know changing my DNA and the algorithms change votes, right? So that that's the belief. That's that's flatline belief. That, that that's baseline. Okay, well, and you know, so and then they'll just you know pat me on the shoulder or say you know you suck or you know have some more fried chicken. I mean that's pretty much my life right now. Yeah, you have to talk about I don't know the the Washington football team or something like that. So <laughs> exactly, let's go back to the whole Ashley Babbitt thing because I I have uh, I, I'm not buying into the Donald Trump as great strategic thinker. I've I've given him credit, however, for having a certain level of reptilian cunning. And this reptilian cunning uh, does understand, you know, how what motivates people, and what he's doing here is is the reason I say it's ominous is because he knows that every revolution needs a martyr, and and he's now found um, that martyr in Ashley uh, in Ashley Babbitt, and of course he's also you know putting a human face on the protests. And of course, he knows that there are people out there who actually see the videos, or I'm guessing that many of your former colleagues have gone out of their way not to watch those videos of what actually happened, the assault on police. And so he's creating a different narrative with a different human face. And she becomes the victim of all of this. And I use I use the phrase the horse wesselization of Ashley Babbitt. And for for people who are students of history, horse and and this is slightly offensive. I understand that because and I may be pronouncing his name. Is it, is it Horst Wessel or Horst Vessel? I don't know. He, 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 he was, he was a, a, young, oh, a, 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 a young German pimp who uh, was also a, a Nazi and was murdered under um, very sketchy circumstances. And they made him into the symbol of the party, that he had been killed by the communist deep state. And, you know, the horse Wessel song became the official song of the party. And he became this massive, massive cultural, political, ideological weapon. I mean, he was completely worthless as a as a as a live Nazi pimp. But dead, he became this huge motivation. And, you know, that he was the 
the fa- the, yes. the fanatical true believer who gave his life for the cause. And I understand that people go, okay, Charlie, you've done it. You've gone back to the 1930s and everything. But this is the reptilian cunning. Understand that that subversive movements need to have the a human need to have a face and need to have martyrs. And that's what and that's what Trump is doing. And also, I think is what's interesting is that he's no longer, you know, I mean, he's no longer pretending. He is now increasingly describing the assault on January 6th as something that was good, that was patriotic, that was uh, in defense of the Constitution. And and that's remarkable. And based on everything you've been saying, that's going to catch on as well. It certainly will. And, you know, if you if you make songs about people, I, I have people sending me songs all the time that are sort of supporting this, you know, this um, sort of far right revolution. Right. And, you know, and I know that sounds incredible, but songs. people will write. Yes. Yeah, songs. People are going to write songs about Ashley Babbitt. They're going to write songs about this or, you know, the these sort of nationalistic songs about what's happening. It's going to happen. And it's probably going to do well. People are going to buy them. You know, like I said, with T-shirts, now this has become a cultural thing. It starts to sink in. Right. That, you know, who shot Ashley Babbitt? It sounds like a bad rerun of Dallas. Right. Who shot Jr. Right. It's it's re- but I'm telling you, it's going to be effective and it's going to be very effective because, again, it just goes back to the team state narrative. And I don't I wish I was more exciting for you right now, Charlie, like I could I could point to some, you know, incredible sort of fact based you know, insane thing that, you know, Ashley Babbitt really, there's billions of people that are coming that, that think it's ridiculous or millions that think it's real. But really what you're saying is it's just a meme. This is just what we've seen. This is a memed belief that spreads through a certain specific part of society and that specific segment or group or population. And it becomes part of their belief system. It's, 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 I I wish I had something more technical for you, but Mm. it's going to be just become part of the belief system and part of why people vote Republican in the, in the midterms. I'm, I'm debating whether we should play the horse vessel song. Well, because I, I want people to kind of do, to, to know this. I, I, I make references to it and people look at me and they go, no, Charlie, nobody has any idea what you're talking about. And this, this probably is a pretty obscure reference for folks. Um, but, uh, okay, well, let's move on. Okay. There's another crazy story out there that, that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, a young woman named Anna Kate, K-H-A-I-T. And uh, it turns out, according to the Daily Beast, that she had kind of gone undercover, not kind of, she'd gone undercover for on, on behalf of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. And, and because she's an attractive young woman who uh, was once featured on Survivor, she was allegedly, this is their, 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 their term, was kind of a honeypot trying to get the uh, liberal Democrats and other deep staters to you know, flirt with her and then tell them their, 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 their deep cabal-like secrets. And uh, she's an interesting character because she was on The Survivor. She was, uh, at least briefly, a professional poker player and kind of a full-time internet social media nut job. And you you were familiar with her before the whole Project Veritas honeypot story came out, weren't you? I was back in October. Uh, you know, so I tracked down the retweet when Donald Trump talked to, when he retweeted about Biden and Obama killing SEAL Team 6, if you remember that. Uh, I think it was back in October. So you're talking nine months ago. There was this YouTube network called Next News Network, the Next News Network, which Next was just a, yeah, just, um, just a bizarre uh, sort of conspiracy laden 
news network that presented crazy theories as truth or fact. And at the time when I checked it out after the retweet from John, Donald Trump, they had 1.7 million subscribers, oh, 1.7 million. Right. So Anna Kate got on there and they, they were they were utilizing this individual named Parrot, which is funny because he was a falconer. Um, but um, this guy named last name of Parrot, who said who was a falconer, who said he was you know, CIA or something like that. And, and talked about the, this, this menagerie of conspiracies based on Iran, uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden's body double, the fact that Obama and Biden conspired to kill SEAL Team 6 as some sort of sorted payback. You know, this, this incredible theory that came from a falconer with the last name of Parrot, which I still think is a, just a joke. Um, but however, this caught fire uh, on the far right, just caught on fire. And Anna Kate was on that network and she did. Yes. And, and it's still out there. She decided to say that all traitors should be hung. Like if it's Biden and Obama uh, that were behind the killing of SEAL Team 6, that uh, they should be hung um, or killed. Right. Um, this is Anna Kate. Um, the fact is, if you go to her Twitter, she did say that she did do those things, but she wasn't a honeypot. They had they had a lot of security there. I don't know how much security Project Veritas would have, you know. One one kid they got from high school that was, you know, taking, you know, Tai Chi, you know, I don't know. But anyhow, the fact is it wouldn't be an ugly, you know, five foot, five inch dude with disheveled hair that would be trying to get information out of these individuals. You're going to send somebody attractive, you know, and the fact is it's just so funny, you know, that these individuals want to be famous on such a huge level that they're willing to do anything to do it. And that's really what you see about Anna Kate. She's she, you know, she's, she's very Christian from what you can read on her profile. You know, Jesus is here to save us all. Uh, but actually just goes back to this sort of, you know, I don't know if it's mental instability. I don't know if it's some kind of intellectual vacuum that they're in, or she just wants to be famous or she's a grifter with her hundreds of thousands of followers, which is probably follow the money. And I think I'm pretty close to that, but yeah. So Anna Kate has been around a long time saying very crazy things very awful things. And the fact that she'd be working with Project Veritas shouldn't be a surprise. But of course, she was used as a honeypot because that's what people do. Um, thank God. Bit, you know, I, I was never used as a honeypot, Charlie. I don't no. know if that's I know that's I know that's hard no, to not, believe. Not, neither but, have I. So, yeah, I just know. I know that's even with my incredible physique and amazing good looks. I, it was, I it was, it was never actually on my bucket list. Either. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. I don't know if I want to be a honeypot. Go to, I don't think I'd be. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the Greek Isles, various things. No, be a honeypot. Um, oh yeah, well, but she, she's nuts. Well, she, but she's nuts. But apparently, was effective at least in in some ways. This is what I, I am. I'm, I have such a hard time unpacking the whole. You know, I am a Christian, but I'm also this completely dishonest grifter. And how I reconcile these two things. Um, I love Jesus, but I want to hang people. Um, it's, it's uh, later this week on the podcast, I'm going to talk with David French, who does try to square all of this, tries to explain this and and, and pushes back on, you know, evangelical Christians on this. But I, I have to say, this is, this is a dangerous and um, this is a painful thing for me to watch this conflation of, uh, of Christian faith with cruelty and falsehood and this kind of politics. This is, you would think that Christianity would be about kindness and about love, but also with a respect for truth. And so when you see things like this, it's like, what, what is happening? With Well, it's, uh, Jesus is a military leader. 
And, you know, and, and you have people hiding behind the Bible. I mean, you can make a lot of money in Jesus's name. And when you see these type of grifters that hide behind the Bible or utilize their religiosity as sort of a professional stamp of approval to gain money or favor from other people, that's when that's when you should be very afraid. And, you know, when you think about CPAC and you talk, and, and I'm going to come full circle with you, Charlie, because you just mentioned it. When you talked about people cheering about, you know, the government trying to trick 90 percent of people into taking the vaccination, they were cheering people dying. It's that simple. It's that's it. That's that's the thing. And I guess that's why, even though I try to use humor sometimes and I try not I try to smile when I say it, I'm terrified some days when I see this, especially when you see people like Anna Kate or you see, you know, Jody Heiss was sitting there nodding his head, the sitting congressman. Right, who's running for Raffensburger seat in Georgia, was sitting there nodding along at CPAC while these idiots were spewing this anti-vax nonsense, and that should scare the hell out of people. Well, also, you're talking about applauding people who die. This is a pro-life movement. I mean, I JVL had a really interesting point in his Friday newsletter of the Triad, and people should definitely subscribe. He said, look, if you're, okay, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here. If you're trying to stop a course of action that will save lives and has nothing whatsoever to do with you, and you're doing it purely for political self-interest, what other word is there other than evil if you're trying to stop the vaccination? And when we talk about lives being saved or lost, we're not talking about some far future actuarial abstraction. We're talking about 200 people a day, every day, right now. But the piece that really gets me is that every single one of these people describes themselves as being pro-life. They'll rail about bureaucratic abstractions such as the Hyde Amendment or the Mexico City policy as being moral evil so total that they could not possibly support any Democrat who is for them because they care so much about life. But it's almost like life isn't really the point. I thought that was, oof. you know, it, it's you know, powerful. I mean, for a lot of voters, you talk about tens of millions of voters, this issue of being pro-life is the determining thing. This is the reason they were willing to put up with Trump and a lot of the crazy, because they care so much about life. And yet some of those same people are the ones going, yeah, we're not doing that ouchy Fauci bullshit. And who the hell says Fauci ouchie anyway? Uh, it's, Charlie. Just, I, yeah. it's, it's, oh, man. it's infantile. You know, it's from, you know, it's, it's just from the, you know, it's like, you know, squatty potty, right? Or it's like, you know, any of these, you know, which have sold millions, by the way, I nothing against squatty potty, but, you know, it's putting two words together, like some kind of, you know, first grade book. And I, and people are cheering about this. And I, and I and I shake my head because I bet if you go through every person at audience, what do you think the number of people there who said they go to church are, Charlie? Oh, well, um, they would all say they went to church. Whether they actually did is another thing. Exactly. They would say they went to church. They'd say they're religious. They'd say they're Christians. They'd say they're born again. They would say they're evangelicals. Now, and, and most of those individuals aren't. And if you have people that are attracted like Nick Fuentes, you know, and the Groypers, or you have the three percenters that are rolling around CPAC, we have a problem because like attracts like. And if you're not very specific about getting those people out of there or saying you're not welcome to this party, they're going to think they're welcome. They're like party crashers, right? They're going to come in there and think, you know, we have a say in where this party goes. And if somebody like some 22-year-old, you know, little rat like Fuentes is trolling around out there, you know, and by the way, this is just a kid. This is an infant child, right? This is, this is somebody who's not even mentally mature that's actually controlling this movement. 
Um, if you have those people that are attracted to CPAC, I think there's there's a problem. And if you're a Republican and you're a true Republican that can't believe where the party's going, you have to stand up and, and tell truth. And you have to say, we have nothing in common. We cannot be close to anybody who spouts white nationalist, right supremacist rhetoric. That's like cancel says, you know, J- J.D. It, J.D. Vance is objecting to Twitter, uh, Twitter knocking Nick Fuentes all, merely because Nick Fuentes is an overt racist, neo-Nazi Holocaust denier. But um, by God, J.D. Vance wants to use government power to protect Nick Fuentes um, being on Twitter or Facebook or whatever the hell he's on. Um I did think it was Thank interesting you. that CPAC wouldn't let him in, which seemed like their, their cancel culture. Hey, before we move on on the Denver, sure, Denver, sure. how do you know about Squatty Potty? <laughs> I, do I have to answer this question, Charlie? Your, your questions are probing. Uh, there's no pun intended. I think um, when you talk about the – I know about the Squatty Potty because yeah. of commercials, which made me laugh so damn hard. Um, people need to look up the Squatty Potty commercials because they're freaking brilliant. What television um, do you watch? This was one regular TV. Uh, come on, man. I mean, listen, the people, I, I mean, now I'm feeling a little embarrassed here that I do know what a squatty potty is, but I think we have to be very careful, you know, not to demean something as groundbreaking as the squatty Okay, no, no, I don't want to make fun. I'm just, I'm, I'm joking too. I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting. By the way, can now, now I will say something personally embarrassing to myself for some people. Um, yes. Between binging shows. Uh, so I started watching The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale. I, I, I'm putting my hand up. And you know what? I'm actually enjoying it. And what I think is interesting is, you know, I do think that certain of these dystopian things are have a certain, you know, important well, functionality because they, they activate your imagination. Well, what happened if we lost all of our freedoms? What happened if, if these institutions failed? And just sort of because I I think one of the failures that we've had so far in this country is believing that somehow that we we could be complacent, that we were immune to history, that bad things wouldn't happen. So there is a certain, I think, utility in thinking about, okay, so how would democracy die? How would freedom die? What would happen if we had that kind of dystopian world? And then it's, of course, you know, good that you turn it off and you're, you're back in the real crazy world, but whatever. So I'm, I am watching that. You watch commercials it, for Squatty Potty. I watch Handmaid's Tale. Do you know the brilliance of this podcast? Mm-hmm. If we, we've covered Horst Vessel, The Handmaid's Tale, and Squatty Potty so far. I know. That's, we have. that's, that's amazing. I mean, if you think about those three things in one podcast, you might have broken a record. I think it's just amazing. Okay, so back to Nick Fuentes, who is the neo-Nazi Holocaust denier who was finally kicked off of, of Twitter. I, I did think it was interesting that J.D. Vance felt that he had to go to his defense, that uh, e- even though Nick Fuentes has has trolled him. And the whole idea that somehow we should use government power to force a private entity to carry um, the rantings of a flat-out bigot it's so weird watching J.D. Vance take that at the same time that people like J.D. Vance are supporting um, legislative action to ban certain theories and ideas in legislatures. So at the very same event where you, you have people you know, attacking big, ten, uh, big tech for exercising its First Amendment right not to run you know, completely asinine stuff – um, you also have this enthusiasm for firing public school teachers and professors who might uh, dwell on uh, banned ideas, uh, you know, and, 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 and so this whole culture, cancel culture, we're against cancel culture, except when we're using the cancel culture. And yet in their brains, they don't see any of the contradictions. 
Well, you know, I, I wonder if they see the contradictions, but they know that it sells, uh, that they're being this sort of specific on that their ideas shouldn't be controlled, but other people's ideas should, which is the very idea of tyranny. Um, now you're talking about, you know, tyranny uh, through social media or tyranny by controlling thought based on what you think is right or wrong or, or based on what you think will get you votes. And that's what scares me um, is that we do have these individuals that maybe don't believe it. See, see, if they were true believers, I think there's a more of a battleground there, you know, an, ide- an ideological battle space that we can sort of engage, right, Charlie? Me and you could go boom, right? We can engage on that battlefield. Like we can, maybe if you're a true believer, maybe we can take you back using some facts-based yeah, issues no. or things. But if you're a panderer uh, and or you're a grifter, right? Or you're somebody who has no moral baseline at all, which is, I'm going to humbly submit that J.D. Vance, if he had a moral baseline left, that train left a long time ago. Um, when you when you have this ability to lie, everybody says, well, that's politically savvy. Lying is pretty easy. I mean, if you want to be cunning, um, again, cunning is about lying. Um, if you want to be politically savvy to certain groups of people who believe in something that uh, an untruth, you're lying. Um, and those are the individuals that scare me because if you have no moral baseline, no moral basis for this except to win, that's when bad things happen. And I just find it amazing that we have our own version of conservative wokeness and conservative cancel culture that you said they're unable to see. The hypocrisy is right in front of them. But being hypocritical is a huge vote getter right now. Yeah, you're right. You, you can't argue with somebody who won't acknowledge reality or a shared set of facts or won't be held any sort of consistency. I mean, so that's why you, you look at you look at, the you know, CPAC and it is this sort of just random, disconnected impulses, irritable gestures. There's there's no coherence to it. And there doesn't have to be coherence. It's it's all about membership. Right. It's all about. Um, and, and, and so they're willing to switch. America is the best country in the history of the world, except for all of our cities, which are shitholes. Um, we are the party of freedom, but Ben Carson points out, you know, slavery wasn't really that bad because and yeah. you see that Ben Carson Dude. saying that, that, yeah, that, that Carson, the, black, the black families were actually stronger under slavery, uh, stronger under fl- uh, slavery than under the welfare state. Well, of course, they were strong, except if one of the members was sold into bondage. But other than that, it was really conducive to family life. How someone sits there and thinks that without the entire room going, okay, man, are you really in doing this? But at least it's not critical race theory. So I guess it's uncritical race theory, and that's okay. <laughs> uncritical right. race right. theory. I you just it. came up with a new term, buddy. Um, I, already, I love I, it. I already tweeted it out. So I'm, I'm, oh, did you already <laughs> tweet it out? I was going to say, dang, brother, then, that is a stream of consciousness I respect. Yeah. Uh, yeah when, so uncritical race theory, I'm using that. I'm going to steal it from you. And I think um, – but I think when people say this, I don't. I think what you saw at CPAC was a tribal meeting, but really what CPAC was was a church service. That's that's really how I look at it. That was just an extended church service for people who want to believe in that certain thing. And I have to say, I don't know how many people were at CPAC. It didn't seem like it was as packed at CPAC as usual, which is to me, you know, it's a slight victory. I'm hoping that, you know, people are starting to see this. Maybe it is the minority is starting to, you know, there's just a minority. But again, uh, this is really, if you see it on Fox News, you go back to the beginning. I think you played Maria, right? When she yeah. was talking about what a wonderful person Ashley Babbitt was. If you go back full circle to this, I, again, I think this is going to be baked in pretty soon. And I think if you run on that, if you run on, you know, it was a peaceful gathering. One six was, you know, populated by, you know, insurgents or false flaggers that were there. 
uh, COVID was put here to change the election and to control the populace. Uh, and that wokeness right. from the left is what's killing you. That is a really powerful message. And I think that's all they got to do. I don't think you have to talk about policy. You know, they'll talk about inflation. They'll talk about jobs in the economy or, you know, Biden's Jimmy Carter. They'll say all the, you know, that's, you know, that's if I had my consultants, that would, that, that's what they would be putting out on our fundraising. See, I, so I, I see that playing and I see that playing in the primaries. I don't, I get, as I'm not sure that it's the winning general election mess, message that they would like. Uh, they just got to get through the primary because that's where they make their money. I mean, if if you're looking at like, for instance, President Trump not wanting to announce that he's running or not running is because the money continues to flow. Like, for instance, if President Trump announced he wasn't running, you know, what would happen is that he becomes a non-player. It's just the way that the world works. Right. I mean, he could still be in the background funneling some money here and there, but he has to stay on the stage. Um, and I think it's about the primaries, about getting to that, because at least you have a chance. It's like dumb and dumber, you know, in some of these districts, you know, well, is my chance one in 10, one in a hundred? Well, it's more like one in a million. Well, at least I have a chance. So if you get through, if you get through the primary, you got the dumb and dumber chance, right? In some of these swing districts. But if you're in an R plus 20 district, you've won. That game is right. over. It doesn't matter. You won. And, you know, 78% of Republicans still support President Trump as president now. And they want him to run in 2024 where you see the polls where, you know, he's what, 46 points in front of DeSantis um, and 47 points in front of Pence or whatever. I think that we're, we're to a point right now that uh, everybody's going to run to President Trump and he's going to be very powerful as, as, for fundraising and also for message. Yeah. You know, you made you made the point about why he's not going to say whether he's going to run or not going to run. Maggie Haberman had a great tweet yesterday. You probably saw it. The minute he says he's not running, he oh. a loses an argument to use about prosecutions. B ceases to raise money. C limits his relevance. Even if he says he is running, even if everyone around him says he is running, it does not mean that he is. This is really an important point, that he understands yeah. that as long as it is out there, he's relevant. The moment he says he's not running, it's all over for him. And, and that reptilian cunning uh, extends to this. He gets that. Well, you know, Mag I didn't think of A, you know, Maggie's very perceptive there. B and C I had, but A, talking about prosecution, that's a really valid point. I didn't think about that. And, you know, so now you have all these reasons for him to stay in the public eye, not to announce whether he's running or not running, always keep the carrot dangling out there and continue this momentum on fundraising because, you know, he's fundraising off Ashley Babbitt. He's fundraising off all of these issues that he's creating himself. And so the money is still coming into a Save America pack and all the other people are fundraising off this too. And you see the NRCC still fundraising off it and all the local, all the local cats and all the state cats and all the federal cats. If they're all fundraising off of this, this is a huge moneymaker for everybody and all the consultants make money. So you're seeing a whole ecosystem being based on fantasy. And when you monetize insanity like that eventually becomes weaponized. And that's what happens with January 6th. And again, that's just just again, he's got to stay out there and he can't say he's not running. That's something he just can't do. Denver Riggleman, thank you so much for starting us off this week with our Monday podcast. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, my friend. And thank you for having me at all times. And if you ever want to talk about Horst Vessel and, you know, Handmaid's Tale and uh, Madison Cawthorn and uh, oh, yeah. Ashley Babbitt and one thing again, I'm ready to do it. We can do that. We can probably do that on a weekly basis from now on. <laughs> and, and thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.